This is the Activate Podcast with Pastor Christian Newsom. In this week's podcast, there was a transaction of the soul that made him realize, okay, just by being able to complain out loud to God, I feel like I even know more about him and how much he loves me now. Something happened in the unspoken space, and what we're hoping is that if people will get honest about what they're going through, they'll begin to learn how to complain spiritually in the right direction, that some part of that complaint will allow a transaction of the soul in the unspoken space. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to the Activate Podcast with Pastor Christian Newsom, a ministry resource of Journey Church International. My name is Ryan, and I'm glad to be part of the conversation this week. Uh, This past Sunday, we launched the series entitled The Waiting Room, and we're attempting to answer this question, what what do we do when we don't know what to do? And we're several weeks into a time of, of isolation and and, uh, and social distancing and in an effort really to slow and, and hopefully soon to get this COVID-19 pandemic to stop. But our prayer is that this episode will encourage you and, and offer you some hope as we navigate this season together. Uh, and of course, if Journey can offer you any support or encouragement during this time, really please don't hesitate to reach out by sending us an email to activate at takethejourney.cc. I want to I want to give a quick shout out to my uncle Tim. He gave his life to Christ at our Christmas Eve services and I recently found out he's been tuning in to every online service and the Activate podcast. So, Uncle Tim, love love you. Really glad that you're on here. Uh, Pastor Christian, you know, last week you you started the series The Waiting Room. Man, what a great kickoff. Uh and in that first message you talked about a a spiritual scorecard, what you called waiting room wins, and you broke it down into seven uh, seven different areas, spiritual, family, physical, emotional, mental, project, and relational wins, how to have wins in all of these areas. And I know, uh, you know, last week you, you talked about how you've set some goals, but what are some stories of waiting room wins that you've heard so far that have been a real blessing to you? Well, first, Uncle Tim, hello. Glad you're, uh, glad you're listening. So glad. Um, that you get to be a part of of our church online um, through through this time and gosh really any Sunday, yeah I've, you know I've heard really good stories. Um, last night we had a call with you know nearly a hundred of our small group leaders a Zoom Connect, and I just asked them you know share the stories of things you were doing. Um, one of the grandmothers in our church has decided to memorize a Bible verse for every letter of the alphabet one that starts with A one that starts with B all the way through Z with her three year old grandchildren. Um, so she showed us last night on the call uh, kind of the ring of verses that she is carrying around and kind of a simplified uh, version for her three-year-old. To see people doing things like that spiritually to grow and to move is um, is just awesome. Another one of our group leaders talked about extended family all over the country that she's had an, an opportunity to just very, very intentionally um, kind of lean into in this season and reach out to that she probably wouldn't normally take the time or have the time to do, uh, which is, I mean, that, that's exactly what we talked about in last week's message. None of us, none of us are choosing this time, but we can all be using, um, this time. You had both a physical and a family, um, kind of win in this area. Why, why don't you share yours? So I don't have to share it for you. Yeah. I've had a chance, uh, physically to, to start working out with my son, which is a blessing. I get to hang out with my son and, I get to help him with PE class, uh, weights class. He's supposed to do some workouts, so I said, let's do them together. So we've been getting up early and doing our workout, and uh, he's making me look really old. Um, I'm still stronger, but, boy, he's much more in shape, and uh, he can out he can outpace me. But that fits in, too, for you, right? So for, for you, that's a physical win. You're probably finding more time to work out now than, than you would have taken 
had this been normal, you know, and a family win. So I just think if people will very intentionally try to make the most of every opportunity, um, this isn't going to be a great season, but it it could be a season God uses in in an incredible way. So I hope everyone is setting their goals. We're recording this podcast today on April 1st. So my family tonight, before we go to bed, we'll read the Psalm of the day and then ask all of my family to bring their, to, to bring at least one goal in all seven areas that we will review tonight. And then we'll measure at the end of April and say, how close did we get to any of them? Was this a good month for us? So we're, we're being very intentional as a, as a family, myself, Danielle, and our two kids. What a great practical tool. If you weren't paying attention, write that down. That's a good thing to do with uh, your family or, or someone that you know. Uh, Pastor Christian, to, to set up the direction of the message for this week, you, you give a short summary of the first six chapters of the Bible. Genesis 1 through 6, and then you, then you jump into to Genesis 7. So can we unpack part of what you said? Because I know at times people have questions as they read the Bible or as they look at real-life events of today and how they relate to the Bible. You, you mentioned Genesis 1 through 4 is creation, corruption, recreation, but consequences. Is, is COVID-19 a consequence of sin or a judgment of God? You know, that's a, that's a really good question that can be looked at from a lot of different angles. And at the end of the day, the answer has to be, um, you know, I don't know. I mean, no, no one knows the mind of God. So, you know, is it was COVID-19 sent by God as judgment on a world that's moving too fast or a world that's moving too loose or a world that has forgotten him? You'd have to ask him. Uh, for those of us who believe, who are believers, one day we can ask him. However, we can, we can trace sickness and death back to a consequence of sin. So yes, we can, not, not of, not of our sin, um, but of Adam and Eve's sin. Um, and for people who would say, man, it, you know, gosh, I can't believe God would curse humanity like this. Actually, God gave humanity a choice, not a curse. And humanity chose the curse. He gave them a choice to never be sick, to never die, to never have a virus, to never be alone. Um, to, you know, probably to never really age poorly, right? He created this perfect world with perfect people, and he kind of planted immortality in them, but he told them, if you want to run off and do things your own way, you have that choice, but that choice comes eventually with physical death. That choice can result in spiritual death. That choice is going to result in life being way, way harder, way more broken for you and your children. So, is death, is disease, is brokenness, um, are epidemics a, a consequence of sin? Yes, they are. Whether or not they're a consequence of our sin right now, whether COVID-19, uh, you know, is a curse from God on the sin of 2019, you'd have to ask him. Um, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I would say God probably doesn't, doesn't work that way, but you'd, you'd have to ask him. But, but I would say death, brokenness, disease, um, cancer, coronavirus. Yes, all of those are a consequence of people who said, given the choice to do things God's perfect way or to have a little control myself, I, th- I think I'll, I think I'll take my chances. Um, coronavirus is one of the chances, um, that they, they took. They invited death and decay uh, because they, they desired control. So I, I do think it's important to understand that, um, there is someone to blame for the virus. It's not China. It's Satan. And there is a reason behind it. Um, and it's not bats or unhealthy food markets anywhere in the world. Um, it's sin. Uh, 
Sin is what has brought brokenness, disease, and death into our world. So I think it's, I think it's good for Christians to know that, which, which means there's an answer. The answer to brokenness is salvation. The answer, um, to sin is forgiveness. The answer to Corona is, is ultimately Jesus, not a vaccine. Cause if it's not Corona, it'll be the next thing that gets some of us if this one doesn't get us. But Jesus is the answer for the immortal, uh, eternal, um, forgiven, clean life. Yeah. I was going to say, he still gives us a great choice to choose him for all of those, all of those things, you know, and this kind of leads into this, uh, uh, next question. Sometimes when we read the Bible, our really our our mind is blown by either what people have done. Right? It's a really honest book. Uh, what what we would consider big sins or stupid mistakes by people, or by what we see God does in in a passage of Scripture. And the story of the flood is one of those. The story of the flood seems so harsh and judgmental, yet there was tremendous grace displayed before the rain for those who desired rescue. Can you talk about that? Yeah, when you initially begin to study Genesis chapter 7, you're told that God had Noah and all the animals go into the ark, and for seven days he left the door of the ark open, um, supposedly for anyone who would want to, who would want to join. There there was a week. And you got to remember, I mean, the world was watching the migration of animals. Right, Noah was Noah was not a a shepherd who was herding animals. It, the Bible very specifically says God brought them to him. So there was a mass, mass, mass migration occurring towards the ark. Right, if you saw birds day after day, week after week, month after month, all flying the same direction, if you saw animals all walking the same direction, if you saw things on the ground scurrying in the same direction, you'd probably go check out what was happening. And the message of judgment was very, very real. But a period of grace of, uh, hey, come on, um, you can you can choose to enter the ark of rescue, was not just a reality of grace in Noah's time, but I think it's a picture of our grace today. Because here, here's the deal, Ryan: at the end of the flood, God looked at what had happened and He said, "I'll never destroy humanity by the waters of a flood again." And we see the sign of the rainbow in the clouds that says, "God says, I see and remember, I won't destroy it this way, but it is going to be destroyed. Destruction is coming." The flood is coming. There is an ark. The door is open. And God's grace is still extended saying, this is the rescue if you want to choose it. Uh, and the New Testament says, just like in the days of Noah, when people were just eating and drinking and living their lives and thinking, I got time. One day the door shut uh, and, and there was no more time. But even, even in the Genesis flood narrative, there's a, there's a week of time um, that people could have joined. I'm sure many toured it. But they didn't get on. They didn't stay on. They didn't choose the rescue that God had provided. We get an opportunity to do that through Jesus. They had an opportunity through the ark. I think those are the things, at times, critics of the Bible think of this harsh God, and they miss these windows of grace that God has always provided. So, Yeah, not not only, again, um, God gave a choice, not a curse. We chose the, the choice came with a curse, but we knew that beforehand. Um, God provided an ark, but he provided time. Um and again, I, I believe people knew that as well. So I think when we look at the God of Scripture from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, what we find is a, a God with a very, very big heart, a God who's always honest, a God who who gives justice, a God who gives free will, but a God who gives opportunity um, and who wants to see the whole world uh, be saved if if they'll enter the ark of Jesus and the salvation that he offers. Amen. That is the theme of the whole Bible. Yep. Pastor Christian, I'll have to admit I had to work uh, look up the word lament. 
I had a general. That's what you thought they gave you at, a, at like a French restaurant at the end of the yeah, meal? A lament, lament at yeah, the lament. end. Yeah, yeah, I got it. Yeah. I, had, I had a general idea, but I needed the dictionary to, to help give me a clear definition of the word. And then this message really made it clear um, of why it's so important, especially in this time when people are asking why and, and maybe even where is God in this. Can you Can you help unpack this a little more? How does lamenting help us understand God's heart? Well, I, I think what so many people miss right before the flood, it said God was grieved. Right? God, God, God laments. I think sometimes we can look at God seeing what's happening and we think we care more than he does. Um, Ryan, here's the reality. So Dr. Fauci yesterday, you know, one of the, one of the head of the infectious diseases for our country came out and, and said the latest Analysis is that a hundred thousand Americans will die. Um, that is, that's in addition to the, you know, the thousands in China, the moving towards tens of thousands in Italy and on and on and on. There's only one person that knows every one of their names. There's only one person that knows every one of their stories. There's only one person who knit them together in their mother's womb. There's only one person whose image they're created in. There's only one person who went to the cross for all of them. To think that any of us could be impacted more by the coronavirus than God is, a personal God who knows and loves the world. I don't think it's thinking too much of ourselves. I just think it's thinking too little of God. I think it's thinking too little of God. Um, and we we look at statistics God looks at souls, knows them, loves them, created a perfect world for them. When we broke that, created a perfect eternity for them so they could choose that, send a perfect savior for them. And it crushes his heart that any would say no or that any, or that any walk through this season of death. Remember, it was Jesus, God in the flesh, who, who, who wailed in his soul over the death of his friend Lazarus. So I think sometimes we th- we think of God being kind of detached, um, but He is the He is the one who has given us a heart for laments. He is He is the one who has taught us the the deepest um, emotion um, is the one that sometimes reveals the most about the heart. So I, I just think it's important to remember um, in this situation when um, when we say, "Where are you, God?" His answer isn't this, but I think this is a good picture. When we say, where are you, God, that his answer is, I'm, uh, I'm in mourning right now. I'm in mourning. Because every statistic you've seen is a soul that I know, uh, that I created, that I love, um, that I care for, and, then, and that I've watched. Um, God, where are you? I'm right by every bedside. I'm right in every hospital. I'm right in every village. The statistics that aren't even being reported yet because there's no news where some parts of the world are suffering this. God's right there. Um, and, he, and he's right, right beside those who are brokenhearted around. I just, I just think it's important to realize the heart of God shows us the greatest lament. He's the reason we feel the things we do. He put that heart in us. Yeah, and we think we care more than he does sometimes, and oh, it's yeah. just that, that isn't the case. God, yeah. God loves like a hundred times more than we do. At least, yep. Um, you know, one of the things that makes the Bible so powerful and believable is that it's it's honest about people's mistakes and even their struggles and doubts. In Psalm, in Psalm 13, we see David express some deep questions that at first sounds like, wow, David, did you, did you really, uh, were you really that brave to just say that to God? 
Pastor Christian, will you, will you help us with Psalm 13, one of our psalms of lament this week? Will you break down how Psalm 13 models the pattern of lament? Yeah, so we said a lament has two parts, a plea and a praise. Uh, the plea has five parts. Um, it's personal. It's, it's, uh, it's not a God far away. It's a God near, but it's a God that feels unfamiliar because he's, uh, he's not acting in the manner that you were taught that he acted as we talked about moving from orientation to disorientation um, in our experience with God. Uh, there's a complaint, a petition, um, and a motivation, and in some cases a, an imprecation where people basically threaten God. Um, and then there's a spot where it turns to praise, and the praise um, the praise basically is is an appreciation for the fact that God hears the prayer even if he doesn't answer it. There's a there's a vow that just knowing who you are makes me think this. And then there's a, a doxology, which just quotes a truth about God. So I'm going to read Psalm 13, and then we'll just walk through it for people who are wanting every day to try to to try to see these parts of the Psalms of lament. Uh, it's only six verses, Psalm 13. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow? In my heart, how long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. So we see almost all the parts of the Psalm of Lament here. Um, one, it opens with a plea, right? Uh, and we see in, in verses one and two, we see a lot of personal, uh, a lot of, a lot of intimate thoughts. One, he calls him Lord, which, is, you know, Yahweh is kind of the big God term. Lord, a lot of times is Adonai. It's, it's, I know, I know you. Um, you know, it's my king. It's, it's my leader. Um, so David says, how long, Lord? But then it's real personal. Are you going to forget me? Are you going to hide from me? Uh, are you going to make me wrestle with my thoughts? Uh, he asked how long four times. Um, so his complaint is how long, how long, how long? His complaint is you need to hurry up. Um, Lord, I know you. Where the heck are you? His complaint, how long, how long, how long? Eventually turns to petition. So we go from complaining that, God, you're not on time, to petition in verse 3, look on me and answer, Lord my God, give light to my eyes. So there's a petition. There's what he's asking to do. But remember, the petition often comes with a motivation that is about me or about God. So he's asking God, look on me and answer, give light to my eyes. Why? Or I'll sleep in death. Now the motivation, which often is manipulation in the Psalms, is if you don't do this, this is what's going to happen, as if God doesn't know. God, if you don't do this, big trouble's coming, right? So my petition, look on me, answer me, give light to my eyes. And then we turn to motivation. This deals with me and then God's nature. If you don't do this, I'm going to sleep in death. That's not going to be good for anyone. Or verse four, my enemy's going to say, I've overcome him. God, if you don't do this, I'm going to die and you're going to look bad. That, I mean, that's what the laments do. The, brave. <laughs> yeah, the laments are all about me and trying to manipulate God however you can into answering your prayer. Um, I'm going to die. You're going to look bad. And then the, the imprecation imperca- the or the threat is your enemies are going to think they're stronger than you. So he's, th- and he's threatening God. If you don't do this, it's going to be very bad for you. Those, so those are, you find all those in laments. You find it's deeply personal. You find that there's a complaint. You're not on time. 
You find that there's a petition, here's what I need you to do. But then that petition is usually motivated by something for me or something for God or a threat against God. We see all those in Psalm 13. But then in verse 5, it turns to praise. Um, But I trust in your unfailing love. And remember, the praise usually isn't a praise for an answered prayer. The praise is something they remember about God. So David says, I trust in your unfailing love. I don't trust that you answered the prayer. Doesn't appear that's happened yet. But just praying reminds me, you love me. So I'm going to praise you because I remembered your love doesn't fail. It's not been on time, but I know it doesn't fail. And then verse six, there's a vow. I will sing the Lord's praise, right? If Just because I know you, here's what I'm going to do for you or as a result of that. And then there is a doxology. He has been good to me, a truth, a theological truth about God. So in Psalm 13, the six little verses, we see all of these laments played out. The question is, what happened between verse 4 and 5? That's the key of every one of the Psalms of lament. We go from plea to praise real quick, what happened? And what we said in our message is there was some type of transaction in the unspoken space. We don't know what it was. We don't know what happened, but sometimes... The greatest part about prayer, sometimes the answer to prayer is found in just praying. And somehow by the time David got all this out, there was a transaction of the soul that made him realize, okay, just by being able to complain out loud to God, I feel like I even know more about him and how much he loves me now. Something happened in the unspoken space. And what we're hoping is that if people will get honest about what they're going through, They'll begin to learn how to complain spiritually in the right direction, that some part of that complaint will allow a transaction of the soul in the unspoken space, and they'll be able to turn it to praise and worship anyway, regardless of what happens, like Noah, worship anyway. That's just one of these. We could do that with every Psalm 3, Psalm 4, Psalm 5. Every one of the Psalms we laid out this week, we could go find those parts of them. Hopefully, in our small groups, a lot of people will be trying to do that this week. It's really interesting. It's fascinating when you understand them um, to read that and to see the you know, the personal need, the threats against God, the, when people are going to think really bad of you. Um, it's just, it's fascinating to see the spiritual movement. And that's the spiritual movement we need in this time of lament. No answers, questions without answers. We have to learn to pray Psalms of lament. It's powerful how it can minister to a heart when we really unpack a set of scriptures like we're supposed to and really yes. read it like that and let it sink in. Yep. You know, as we wrap up, last question. One of the goals of your message was for us to choose to worship in the face of overwhelming distress. And too often we can think worship is just Sunday. It's a Sunday morning deal when the band is playing. And I've traveled with you, and, and I've roomed with you, so I know you like to sing. Um, <laughs> how, do you, how do you personally or how does your family make worship a regular part of your week, especially in light of this season we're in? Well, remember, wor- worship is showing worth to something. It's giving it value. It's placing it in priority. Probably the greatest thing that my family has done in this season is just we've chosen to gather almost every day to together read the psalm of the day. A different person will read it out loud. Uh, Or if it's long, we'll each take three or four verses and just keep rotating. Uh, We have shown, we have shown the value of who we think God is and what he think his scripture says by just gathering nightly to read a psalm, to discuss the truths of it. Um, to lament a little bit. You know, the question that I, that I ask my family almost every night is, what are you worried about? What's concerning you? What are you afraid of? Um, what are the unknown things that you're thinking about? Giving voice to those laments and then just trying to give those to God in prayer. I think for us, that's probably the greatest picture of our family choosing to worship that and 
trying to live with the fruit of the Spirit in a time that seems to drain all hope and peace. Um, just, just trying to get up and, and go about our normal life, trying to honor God, trying to do ministry, our kids trying to do their schoolwork. Um, to, to say with our actions, we believe God's going to bring us through it. Um, and on the other end, we're going to worship. I, so I, I think living your life, choosing to get out of bed every day, believing that one day it'll be over. I, I think every day you do that builds just another brick on the altar. And if you will do that every day, uh, in perfect timing, the day that it's over, you're going to look up and your altar is going to be ready and you'll be able to worship. Your life will have been building an altar that when the rains stop, you're able to, you're able to show the value and the worth of who God is, who God created you to be, what God created you to do by just every day getting up and trying to know God a little bit, spend time in his word, spend time in prayer, spend time in community. I think that's probably the way that, that my family has done it the best, really trying to lean into our kids to spend their daily time with God. Last night, we were supposed to connect at 10 uh, p.m. to read the family psalm of the day. Um, and at 10 o'clock, Christian was still reading his Bible and journaling. So he said, can we do 1015? It was like, we can do 10. If that's what you're really doing, we can do 1030 um, because that's worship. That's showing worth and value to God in the season. So I, th- I think that's what we've been trying to do is just every day turn our attention to God Um I think that allows us to worship and those who get to be close enough to me in my room to hear me worship. That's just a bonus for that's them just as a well. Bonus. Yeah, that's, that's just, yeah, that's a bonus for them because I do like to sing and worship. I, I like to make a joyful noise, um, to the Lord. There's always some kind of song on my heart or in my head that I'm, I'm humming or singing along to. Well, I think you've given some real practical ways uh, for people to realize that even though we're not meeting in the building, uh, where the band is and, and where they can be a part of worship, they can, continue to worship and of course boy you go online and there's so many wonderful resources even kendrian and lauren put together some awesome psalm 91 and just a worship song and our students will will be a part of some great worship tonight online so yes you can continue to worship in the midst uh, in the midst of this pastor christian thanks for for being a voice of hope and truth uh, in this time and we want to thank you for listening to the podcast our, our hope as a church is to continue to provide really god honoring tools that will give you strength and direction not only in this time in our history but in your everyday lives as well we'd love to hear how god is shaping you in this season of waiting if uh, if you've got a little more time on your hands please share your story by sending us an email again to activate at take the journey.cc we would love to hear from you and share your story with others uh So we look forward to catching you next time on the Activate Podcast, where we challenge you to build a faith that is active. Thank you for listening to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. If you are ever in the Kansas City area, we would love for you to join us for one of our Sunday worship experiences. You can find out more information about JCI on our website at takethejourney.cc. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please show your support by subscribing, rating, and reviewing on iTunes or Google Play. We would love for you to help us get the word out about this resource. Don't forget to share this episode with all your friends on social media. Thanks again for listening, and we will catch you next time on the Activate Podcast.